is episode seven of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today for a new episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset, the podcast where entrepreneurs just like you and me share how they master their mindset to overcome obstacles to their success. In today's episode, I have the distinct pleasure of speaking with the powerful, big-hearted Luke Hopkins. He shares how he grew up in extreme poverty and how his decision to join the army for what he thought would be a few years changed his life forever and turned into a 23-year career. You won't want to miss when he tells the story about how he realized he could make a difference in people's lives and how in post-retirement, he felt he needed to make an impact and help people. So he decided to become a financial advisor. He is so connected and giving that one of his clients invited him to his retirement party and gushed all over him in his speech for making it possible for him to retire. Listen carefully to his advice about working backward as if you're standing in the future looking back. It's a powerful reminder about how you can make anything happen once you believe it. Luke inspires me every time we talk, and I just know you're going to love listening to him. He's so full of love and care for people, and he's making a huge difference in the world. So grab a beverage or a snack and settle in to listen to Luke and his amazing journey. Well, Luke, thank you for being here today. I'm so appreciative that you said yes, and I'm excited to learn about your entrepreneurial journey, everything that led you to where you are now, the parts that you feel like sharing, and you know what you've learned along the way. So welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. I'm excited. Um, I always start with this question, which is, where are you in the world right now? I am in the process of discovering that I want greater things. I'm, I'm not content. Um, I'm, I'm always looking for that next step forward. I don't think I will ever be stagnant. Mm. I have to move forward. That's the um, entrepreneurial spirit, right? There's yeah. never and, quite done. And, and, you know, one of the things that drive me, one of my passions, is I'm not trying to get there by myself. I want to create a tailwind that drags other people along with me and say, hey, come on, let's go. We can do this. Come on, let's go. Let's build some stuff. And so I love working and helping other individuals. That's what motivates me. Like, like geese flying in formation yes. or like a like Tour de France or something like that. Yeah, that's. I like that you say that, create a tailwind. And it'll dra- it might drag some people kicking and screaming, but they'll be grateful later. I think that's they'll right. thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So tell, tell me a little bit about your business. What do you do business as I should say, right? <laughs> right now, mainly my life is geared around being a financial advisor. I love trying to share the knowledge that I have gathered along the way of, of being, becoming a financial advisor. That, I don't know if you know it, but I came up, I came up extremely poor. Mm. And when I tell you that, you can't even imagine. You might as well stop trying. You cannot imagine how poor I came up. Mm. I can't, they haven't created the words yet to explain how poor I came up. It's like trying to describe a Michael Jordan dunk. If you didn't see it, you're, you're not going to understand it. Yeah. So, um, I joined the, the army when I was 19 years old and uh, just trying to make a difference. I, I realized, I remember driving down the street one day and I said, I'll never be able to drive a decent car and own my own anything. I was working at a record store and I was working at McDonald's and I said, no, I got to do something different. And I'm going to say probably 48 hours later, I was in the army. Wow. Wow. And so I left home when I was 19 and I said to myself, I'm going to do three years in the army or 23 years later, I retired. (laughs) So it worked out for you. Yeah. Worked out well. 
before we started uh, recording, we were chatting and, you, and we were talking about like trusting our intuitive sense. And when you feel that drive and that pull, you go for it. It sounds to me, if you, you know, had that thought, I'm going to change my circumstances. And, and in this situation, in order to do that, it requires a change of location, right? Um, yeah. But something inside of you told you that this was a way forward. I realized early on that God has always had his hands on me. I'm not mm -hmm. a self-made man. Um, I don't take credit for everything that I do. Uh, God has really, there have been some things that happened in my life where I, I know for a fact that was just a hand of God. Because yeah. when, I, when I wrapped my vehicle around that tree, I was not supposed to be able to walk away from that. I know there are some situations where I was like, I'm 100% positive God stepped in. Yeah, that wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, that, that was definitely not me. Yeah. And so, yes, getting away from the environment that you're in, getting into a, a, a different environment gives you the opportunity to see life and see things and see circumstances from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Did you travel the world a bit or around outside of the country with the Army? You know, my, my first duty station was in Germany. Okay. I volunteered to go to Germany. I said, think about this. You got this 19-year-old kid, and they asked me where you want to go. Well, I don't know. Let's go to Germany. Why not? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah beer and schnitzel. I mean, how could it get any better? <laughs> so I spent my, my first two years in Germany, um, left there, went to Campbell, Kentucky. I realized I didn't like Kentucky, really enlisted to go back to Germany, spent three more years in Germany. And then I re-enlisted to go be a drill sergeant. After that, they asked me where I wanted to go. And I said, well, send me to Germany. So I went back to Germany for another three years. So most of my travel has been over in Germany. I just found it to be very comfortable, interesting, adventurous. That's what it is. It yeah. was very adventurous for me going Funny. to Germany. Where, where were you in Germany? Neu-Ohm, Schweinfurt, Hermann. Okay. Did you get to immerse yourself in the local culture and, and you know live a little bit? Or were you very, very busy doing military stuff? Oh, no, I, I'm really an adventurer. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to enjoy myself no matter where I am. You can pick <laughs> me up inside a cardboard box. I'm going to find some way to enjoy life. I'm going to make it fun. <laughs> and, and so, no, I, I went over to go. I love experiencing different cultures. I love expanding my mind, my horizon. My I love just opening up and being able to enjoy what's ever there. So I, I have my share and other folks share as well. I enjoy it. <laughs> other folks share. Oh, how do you think that that informed your decision post-retirement to become a financial advisor and also to kind of do your own? I know that you're under the umbrella of an organization, but you building your own business. That's what you do when you work as an advisor, right? Yes. That's where everything started. I learned. I spent my last 10 years as a recruiter. Mm. I spent some time as a drill sergeant and I realized that I can motivate people. I can inspire people. I can train people. And I loved it. I can make a, people, a difference in people's lives. I had people come to basic training crying and boo-hoo crying because they think they can't make it and they hate my guts. And then when they finally graduate, they're like, man, I'm so glad I met you. You're the yeah. best thing since sliced bread. I love you and I appreciate you. But then I became a recruiter after that. And um, I spent 10 years as a recruiter because I realized I could make a difference in people's lives. I remember when I was 19 years old and I was trying to get off the streets and I was trying to make a difference in my own life. So I, I learned that I can take people off the street. I can change their lives. I can impact their lives. I can make a difference in their lives. They will come back from basic training all the time and say, Sergeant Hopkins, man, thank you. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here. Mm. You changed my life. Everybody was in basic training complaining about their recruiters. And I was shocked because I said, your recruiters didn't tell you these things. 
And they would just say, hey, my recruiter told me everything, so I knew what to expect. And when they came back and they tell me these stories, I learned that I love helping people. Mm-hmm. So when I was retiring from the Army, I said to myself that my next career field, mm-hmm. I want something that's going to give me that same sense of gratification. I need to be able to make an impact on people's lives. I want to change people's lives. I want to make a difference. I want to help. I realized in my mindset, there are three ways I can I can do something to help a person they will never forget. One, if you help somebody with their health, you save somebody's life, they'll never forget you. Two, you lead somebody to Christ. If you change or whatever their religion is, if you lead somebody to Christ, you change their life, they'll never forget you. Mm. You help somebody financially, you make a difference in their lives and they will never forget you. Well, I can't do anything about the other two. You in trouble. You need to find somebody to help you with the other two. But with the finances, I can help you. So in, in 1995, I became a client with a financial firm. Mm. As a client, I learned. So you got to keep in mind how I came up poor. So as a client, I began to learn things that I have never been exposed to in my life. That was 1995. I retired in 2008. So I had all these years where I was learning things from the client perspective. So when I when I was leaving the military, I said, I'm going to go work for that company. I'm going to become a financial advisor and I'm going to change people's lives. That's how I got where I am right now today. I learned that I just love helping people. Amazing. You know, I know when we've talked before, we've talked about how money ends up or often is some people's biggest fears. There's so much emotional baggage to it. And as a person who grew up with what, not even two nickels to rub together, Right. What's what have you found? <laughs> was really run over by a lot of cars. <laughs> you through learning, but also by I mean, it's very empowering to overcome financial nonsense, right? Well, I think we in this country we treat poverty as a moral failing. And so that puts a real heaviness around creating money or creating wealth. And also just to be able to like have that mindset switch to say, I can see the power of what I can do with money with my own. And so I can help other people figure that out. And I know when we've talked before, you've said that, you know, it doesn't really matter if they're wealthy or if they just have enough to put some aside Mm -hmm. that you can help people. So I'm curious, like what that does for you every time you see someone reaching their goals or you help them figure out the puzzle pieces of their financial present and also their future. It's like watching a child grow. Mm. I can imagine, and I can only imagine some school teacher or some coach who coached this person throughout high school or throughout college, and you watch them go on to the pros, and they come back, and they, and they always say, my hero is my coach, or my hero is, is that school teacher. It's the same thing. When someone just says, thank you, or they invite you. I had a client invite me to his retirement ceremony, and he invited me to the retirement ceremony just to say, and this was the guy who helped me get here. <laughs> you know, when you when you change a person's life or you make an impact in a person's life, I, mine just happened to be from a financial perspective. I, I think the things that we are missing is someone who's willing to take us by the hand or someone who's willing to not chase money, but chase a relationship. Someone who's willing to take some time out and help another individual. I think that's why a lot of people have a hesitancy or, or a roadblock in their way of, of getting to where they're trying to get to if they don't have that person to just guide them, coach them, help them. Put this in English for me. Show me how to do it. Absolutely. And, you know, I just, I did another interview earlier today and the same topic came up is that we don't know what we don't know. And we 
do not know what our blind spots are unless somebody points them out to us. And so it's always smart to get support and advice and guidance or mentoring and coaching or whatever from people who know about the thing that you don't know about. Right. And I I think it's remarkable. It speaks volumes about your character and the kind of care that you provide to your clients that you were invited to someone's retirement. So, I mean, that's so touching to go to the retirement and in itself and then have them, you know, throwing accolades your way. (laughs) How many new clients did you get out of that? (laughs) The family. Um, The whole family. Yeah. Not bad. (laughs) It's um, rewarding within itself. Yeah. Not everybody has to work to feel like they're getting some kind of energetic return, right? Obviously, the financial piece is there. But what an amazing thing to be able to find the thing that you love and or one of the things that you love to be able to dig into it and learn it and then turn it into a career. Yes. Everybody gets to do that. I believe that if you can find a way to work in some sort of occupation that you are passionate about, if you can find something that you enjoy doing. But when you wake up in the morning to go to work, you're not really going to work. Yeah. This is my PlayStation. This is my Xbox 360. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so my days go by so fast because I'm I'm enjoying what I do. Yeah. Work that feels like play. Yeah. I think that's really rewarding. And, you know, some of it's conditioning, some of it's necessity, some of it's, you know, societal stuff. But most of us are not taught that we can do something that we love. So I came up comfortably middle-class in a pretty privileged position, but I was the first person to go to college in my family. And I remember my parents saying, work hard, Mm -hmm. get a job, work hard, save money, retire. Yep. None of that included live your life. That's a fact. And they're baby boomers. So they came up, you know, they did way better than their parents did. And they bootstrapped and my dad barely finished high school because he was too busy doing whatever it was that he was doing, <laughs> you know, and um, the military straightened him up as well. Going to Vietnam did a lot for that. Um, but that was just, that's just what you did, right? They were children of depression era, era parents. And so that's what you were taught. You're going to work hard. You're going to ferret away as much money as you can and maybe enjoy a little bit here and there, but really you're saving for later. You're doing this later. And um, not a lot about find the thing that you love to do, but they always supported me when I said, well, I think I'm going to study French and not pre-law. You know, (laughs) they were like, what? Okay. I mean, if that makes you happy. And I was, I'm lucky, you know, like, thank you for supporting me in that. (laughs) Speaking of that, the, the other thing that they don't teach, they teach us, you're right, go to school, work hard, get a good education, go get a job. Yep. They don't teach you go to school, work hard, get a good education, go open up your own business. Ever. They don't teach that. Mm-mm. No. And even, you know, okay, so I studied languages in undergrad and I went on to graduate school. I got an MBA. There is, or there was an entrepreneurship track. I believe it was a total of three courses. Mm. <laughs> if I remember right, I may have that wrong, but so I remember I kind of looked at it and was like, eh, yeah, <laughs> you know, that doesn't seem like much. And so a lot of what I learned in business school is much more applicable to a corporate environment, which is fine. That's, I think you kind of expect that from an MBA, but I feel like they should require everybody to take some form of entrepreneurship. Like my stepson got to do it in high school. He got to take an entrepreneur program and like created a business plan and a marketing plan and learned how to do that stuff. And he loved it. Who knows what he'll do with it down the road, but he's now he's been introduced to it. And I just think that's extremely cool. I wish we would do more of that. Yeah, we're missing out. We're missing out on the opportunity to plant some seeds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they're tilling the soil, which is not terrible. 
Mm-hmm. But there's definitely some of that I feel like is still missing from our school systems. And maybe we'll write it. I still we're, we're I believe that we're a little bit still geared toward the industrial age, right? We're still kind of training up people who will follow instructions and do what they're told. And that works in manufacturing, right? In, you know, building widgets and things like that. And those are all very respectable and important and honorable professions, but not everybody's going that way. We're leaning more on, you know, intellectual power and professional services and things that don't have anything to do with building right machines. Right. And, um, you know, I hope that we start to shift away from that as a part of a regular curriculum. So everybody has a chance to, to test out the things that they, that they love. I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We need so and some more of the vocational. Um, yes. Classes. Yeah. In the school district that we're in, we're going off into the weeds, but this is interesting. The school district that we're in, I learned that one of the high schools has a, like a pure vocational program that. By the time they graduate high school, they are employable yep. for good wage jobs. Yep. And I was like gobsmacked because, you know, we moved here to, to Chapel Hill from the D.C. area. And I do not recall any of that being offered. It might have been. I just maybe just didn't know about it. But because there are only three high schools in our district, it was pretty easy to learn about what they all have to offer. Right. So I, I just thought that was fascinating. Like you're you're ready to work a trade when you graduate from high school. Not everybody is meant to go to university that's and right. law school and medical school and whatever and whatever and whatever. And what a fantastic way to support your community. And come out of high school em- employable. Employable. You can always decide to do something else later. I mean, that's yep. that's the American dream, right? Is the ability to be flexible like that. It's not always real. Right. right. Kind of spoken. And, and oftentimes, some people work better when they're working by their hands. Yes. Everybody's different. Yeah. We're all not these scientific, academically inclined wizards. You know, yeah. everybody's different. Yeah. And I, I think that what, and a lot of people who have the ability to build things with their hands and have that kind of experience and, and work with their hands and do that stuff, then they start their own businesses in many, many ways. They end up being better business people than many of us who, you know, I think even myself included, even though I, I appreciate myself and love myself and all that good stuff, they end up being better business people. You know, um, and I know I'm way off track and I'm way off subject, but I went to a vocational high school. Did you? I, my major was music. Ah, and so I still That's play crazy. the saxophone. I sit back and I'm amazed now at how they don't even teach this in school anymore. I want my children to continue this musical gift that I have, but it's challenging trying to find a way to keep that in our genes because mm-hmm. they took away all the dog vocational praise from school. It's really unfortunate. You know, I mean, I went to a liberal arts college. So one of the things that I so appreciated about that experience was I could study anything that seemed interesting to me and they could help me find a way to turn it into something. Yes. Makes you creative. <laughs> what do you do with a degree in French? <laughs> oh, you get a master's. <laughs> you go and you get a master's in business, right? Um, or become a teacher or whatever. There are plenty of things that you can do with it. But yeah, no, I've enjoyed this, this tangent because I think it's important also to understand that our path is not linear. You know, I studied right. French and right. Spanish, and then I went and did business and Latin American studies, and I worked in corporate, and I worked in a in a consulting firm, and then now I'm I'm a coach. How I don't know. All I know is I just kept following my heart till I got to the right, right. place. Yeah. Um. So for people who are listening, if you've ever thought that there's something wrong with you because you can't figure out what you like, you'll get there. Have faith. And be patient. Yeah. And be patient. I really thought there was something wrong with me. Why am I getting bored every two years and wanting to leave my jobs? 
maybe there's something wrong with me. Why do I get tired of the way the corporate structure is set up that I want to be able to do things this way? And they keep telling me no, when I know I can make it happen. Oh, guess what? I'm just going to go make it happen. (laughs) Right. It was the entrepreneurial spirit. It was like calling me. I just hadn't, I wasn't heeding the call. When I hit my 19 year mark in the military, 19 years now. So I'm like 38 years old. I had no earthly idea what I wanted to do when I got out of the military. I said to myself, I'm tired of being a mechanic because I I started off working on generators. Can't do anything related to being a drill sergeant. I've been a recruiter for the last 10 years. What in the world am I going to do when I get out of the military? And I didn't figure this out that I was going to be a financial advisor until I hit the 19-year mark. And I spent my last three or four years trying to position myself to get my licenses out of the way. Mm. So I would say that if you're walking around, you're 25 years old and you don't know what you're trying to accomplish in life, just be patient. You're still growing up. You're still learning yourself. You know, you'd be amazed how many times people change career fields throughout the course of their life. Uh, People go to college for one particular subject and never work in that field in their life. They do something completely different. So the one thing I would just say is just be patient because you're learning yourself and it takes time to learn yourself. Absolutely. That's, I had that sage advice. I mean, even if you think you know what you want to do and you switch gears multiple times, it's not a bad thing. It's unusual now you know, for someone to work for the same company doing the same job or maybe yep. the same type of job and moving up in rank for 25, 30, 40 years before they retire. That's just not really heard of now. Not, it's not as common. Right. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them. It's just a function of looking for and finding the right fit. And that can change over time as well. Some things are just stepping stones to help you to get to the next level. Stepping stone. Yeah. And we're always learning. If we're not, you know, we no regrets. We right. can look back. I, I read something. Somebody called it kind sight. It's not mine. I borrowed it probably from Facebook. I don't know. Kind sight is instead of asking myself, what was I thinking? I can ask myself, what was I learning mm-hmm. so that we don't have the regret so that we can, we can say, oh, okay, well, I've got some things that I can take with me. I learned this, this, and this. You can have a really bad experience. You can have a really bad relationship or a bad business fail, bad. I don't know if there's a bad business fail, but whatever. And you can come out of it and say, but I learned these things. I learned That's this right. about myself. I learned this about business. I learned this about money. There's a lesson in there in everything. Yeah. So remember kind sight. <laughs> And we have to be kind to ourselves anyway, but to look back and just like, if we take the learning with us, we can actually move forward. We're less likely to get stuck. I read something that said, I never failed at anything because every time I failed at something, I learned something. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, failure is an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity to grow. If you talk to anybody who has their own business, if you ask them to be honest with you, they're going to let you know how many times they failed right. and and what they learned and how, how they switched gears or how they were able to course correct right. from learning from that failure. I've lost count of how many times initiatives I've created or things that I've done or collaborations I've tried to work on, or even a couple of, I haven't lost count of clients. So I've had a couple of clients where I just couldn't I just couldn't reach them mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I mean, I look back, I'm like, well, this is what I learned. I learned how to decipher better whether somebody's actually ready to do the work, like really do it. I've learned how to decipher what does and doesn't work and why. Every time that I've done something against my best um, sort of gut instinct, it's failed. Wow. It could look good on paper, but it's not for whatever reason has never gone forward. So I've really started being much more intuitive or I've always been intuitive, but to trust my intuition and go with it. And it's not tangible. 
And so it leaves a lot of really linear types, you know, with their jaws on the floor going, what are you talking about? You, you fairy, like <laughs> where's the dust? Are you going to sprinkle that now? And I'm like, no, it's just, I just, it's a gut check and it's not going to work for me. Understandable. Yeah. But it helps. I mean, it helps to trust yourself. And if you made a mistake, you learn from it and you just move forward. Don't get stuck. Right. How do you um, keep yourself grounded? Cause you're very busy. You've got, you're building something on the side and you've got this main business, which is very time consuming. Mm. You're also training up your daughter to take over one day when you're ready to go and she's ready to go. How the heck do you do all that? I'm probably kind of weird. Uh (laughs) (laughs) That's probably why I like you. (laughs) I'm a a results oriented person. I'm not very analytical. I know that sounds crazy because I'm a financial advisor, but I'm more of a results oriented person. If I set my mind to doing something, I typically get it done. I focus on, I start with the end in mind and work backwards. I work as if I'm working, this is going to sound crazy, but I work as if I'm working from the future. Mm. I know that sounds crazy. If, if I want something, I, you have to first envision it. And if you can't envision what you're trying to accomplish, how in the world can you ever get there? You don't even know where you're going. Because I'm a results-oriented person. I know where I'm trying to get to. I focus on where I'm trying to get to. And then I got to come back and I got to do the small steps that comes before that to make it happen. Mm. So I, I, I start with the end in mind. That's one of the seven habits, right? Seven habits of highly effective people. <laughs> I think it might even be number four. I'll have to double check that. But I think that's really interesting too, what you say. If you cannot envision it, it's hard. You can't build it. You wouldn't normally, unless you're a really free spirited and have a good wad of cash in hand, hop in your car and just go somewhere. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, certain conditions need to be met in order for that to be a productive <laughs> way to do a trip. Right. You know, you're figuring out where you want to go. And then, well, I mean, now we plug it into ways, but like, you know, and then you'd be looking at the map and plotting your steps from the end back to your That's beginning. Right. That's a great life metaphor. I think it's a wonderful business metaphor. And the great thing about working that way in a business is that we may not reach that same destination we originally set out to. We might accidentally go off course and go somewhere 30 miles in the other direction. And it's even better. Yep. I agree. I think that as you progress down the path, you can always make changes and make adjustments. But if you're still standing in the same spot, there's nothing to change. There's no adjustment to make. You're, you're still standing in the same spot. Move forward with your, with your end goal in mind. Surround yourself with people who can assist you, not the, not the naysayers. You come across naysayers all day long, a dime a dozen. But if you, if you find people who are encouraging, like-minded, supportive, and you stay tenacious, you have to stay tenacious, stay focused, those dreams actually come to fruition. Those visions, not dreams, those visions come to fruition. Interesting distinction between visions and dreams. You're right. Dreams are something that sort of float out in the ether. And our vision is actually connected to our purpose, our purpose or our why. And I believe very firmly once we attach solidly to our why, Mm -hmm. we're like a steamroller. (laughs) Nothing's going to get in our way. That's right. Yeah. Nothing is more important than the why. The reason why you do something is more important than how you do it. Yep. You know, I took a workshop once with um, Mike Dooley and it was called Playing the Matrix. And I learned a ton of things, but the biggest takeaway that's still almost 10 years ago when I took this workshop and I still teach this to people, it's, he calls it the dreaded hows. Don't get stuck in the dreaded hows. He said, if you know why the how shows up and it's not magical, it's because your brain is starting to focus on the thing that you're going for and the reason for going for it. 
And if you can go even a step further and add a good feeling to it, for example, how will I feel when I complete this? How can I feel? How can I create that feeling now? Like you said, you work as if you're already in the future. I think this is along the same lines. I like to add that feeling piece to it as well. If you get to the point where you say, okay, this is what I want. This is where I'm headed. This is why it's so important to me. And now I'm going to create that feeling of completion that makes me feel whatever, relieved, refreshed, excited, proud, whatever, whatever, whatever. Now the resources that you need and all of that come to you very quickly and relatively easily because you shut down the noise. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast the other day about something along these lines. And they were saying that, you know, entrepreneurs, we, we are very prone to shiny object syndrome and squirrels and, and, um, and the whole nine. And that a lot of people right now, you know, mid coronavirus pandemic are getting sidetracked out of fear, out of lack of focus and starting to like waste money and time on gurus and programs and, you know, trying to chase the shiny object out of fear. Right. And I think that that fear comes up, we all have it, but I think it really starts to become amplified when we lose focus. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what you're telling me is you've, you maintain focus pretty consistently. It's, it's very easy to be distracted by anything, mm-hmm. especially your fears. If you think about the things that have, the great things that have happened, how focused someone had to be to create the light bulb, how focused, you know how many times this man failed before? Oh, t- 20,000 or something crazy like that? Imagine how <laughs> determined he had to be. Imagine how crazy people thought Columbus was coming here to America, you know, a Somebody landing on the moon. Yeah, what? <laughs> so yeah. imagine imagine how crazy you look trying to set out on something that no one has done before. Mm-hmm. It's easy to find the naysayers who say you are crazy. If you have a vision, if you have a goal, it's your vision. It's your goal. It's your journey. Don't let anybody sway you from where you're trying to get to. Yeah. Stay focused. And it is for our listeners... You'll learn this, I think, over time. Some of the most wonderful, kind-hearted, well-meaning people in my life have said, "Mm, you know, maybe you should get a (laughs) J-O-B and just have that stability and the benefits and the retirement package and you've got the background and maybe your life would just be easier, but I would die on the inside. And it's not to say that I think the corporate world is horrible. It just wasn't the right thing for me. It wasn't the right place for me to be. I was feeling a calling. And I struggled. I mean, oh my God, the first couple of years were pretty hard. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I was like, am I ever going to make a living doing this? And, you know, again, those same well-meaning people would come and say, you know, why don't you go back to consulting? Like, oh, just go work at one of the big fives, you know, and that actually could have derailed me. But what it did was strengthen my resolve. So we have to be really clear and connected to our why. So if it's not that the people who love you aren't rooting for you, it's that their fears are now being projected onto right. you. So yep. we have to be prepared to kind of wear, I call it the Teflon raincoat, right? Like nothing sticks. I'm protected. I'm in my little space. And I mean, there've been times when I work on things and I don't tell anybody. This podcast is one of them. Right? I think I told you, I was like, okay, it's not really for public um, knowledge yet, but this is what I'm doing. And it was because I've talked myself out of it already so many times mm-hmm. that I didn't want anybody else's fears or concerns or whatever thoughts that didn't align with mine to creep in while I was building it and growing it. I was, when I was over in Europe as a financial advisor, so I've been to Germany four times. <laughs> uh, as a financial advisor, they sent us to England for some corporate training and it was different corporation. Everybody's in here as strangers, but there were three of us who were from the same firm, financial firm. And I heard 
there was one of one of the guys from one of the corporations was saying, I wonder why they selected us to be here, why our people in our office don't think the way we do and why they don't get this stuff. And mm-hmm. and I explained to him that we are in these leadership positions because of how we think. If everyone thought how we thought, they would be the boss, not us. We are the boss because of who we are and how we think. Everybody can't think the same. Everybody can't do the same thing. So so my point for, for saying that is your visions are your vision. And it's easy to find someone to try to knock you off course because everybody does not think the way you think. And if everybody thought and felt the same way that you think, how could we be different? Right. Yeah. Don't let people knock you off your path. Stay on your path. It's yeah. your path. Would you say that's it, like if you could look back to when as a young man, you were trying to find your way forward, what would that be the advice you'd give yourself, your younger self? Definitely. I think I've always been tenacious. I've always been adventurous. I've never been scared to take a risk. I don't know where that came from. I'm glad that I did not let anyone knock me off my path. Um, I'm glad that I, I'm the only one out of all my friends who joined the military. Mm. I'm the only one who I know in recruiting command who became a financial advisor. And I have hundreds of people saying, no, man, you don't want to do that. That's crazy. That paycheck is not even guaranteed. I don't, I don't want to do that job. And I'm saying, look, I've been doing this job for X amount of years. I think you should come get a taste of it now. This is, <laughs> this is right up your alley. Yeah. No, they don't give me a guaranteed paycheck. I don't, I'm, my wife won't let me do that because they don't have benefits. So it's too risky. Yeah. I'm saying everybody doesn't think the same. So right. yes, I would give myself that same advice. Stay focused. Stay focused. Don't let anybody knock you off your path. It's That's, your path. It's, yeah. And everybody's path is a little different. And, and something that comes up a lot for myself included is entrepreneurship can be pretty lonely sometimes because we are kind of weird. <laughs> We're like, I don't know, I got an idea and I felt really strongly. So I decided to build it. You know, <laughs> yeah. We're like, what are you talking about? Like, where did it come from? I don't know. I just woke up one day and was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's what I'm going to do. You know, so you, you pay attention and you do this thing and it's exciting and it's a great adventure and it can be terribly lonely. Have you had periods of time where you felt like you were really doing this on your own or have you always had a good system of support? Oh no, that's like the first four or five years, the first four or five years, even my wife was looking at me like I was crazy. Um, Yeah. And so there is work that has to be done. It's not not easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Right. If you could just give away a business and say, here, I put this together for you. Here you go. Take it and run with it. Who wouldn't do that? But the, the truth of the matter is we have to go out here and pay the price. We have to go till the soil. We have to plant the seeds. We have to water the seeds and let them grow. And then we get the opportunity to sit back and reap the fruits from the benefits of the fruits of our labor. Yeah, there's a price to be paid. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. For sure. Everybody wants what you have, but no one is willing to go through what you went through to get what you have. Uh, yeah, that is true. That is true. And And I think the other thing is sometimes... The people who aren't with us along the journey from the beginning where we're slogging and not sleeping and drinking too much coffee and maybe also drinking too much alcohol and trying to get through and then waking up at three in the morning in a cold sweat and starting to work so you can stop cold sweating, mm-hmm. <laughs> have no idea because they haven't been there. And then all of a sudden it looks like overnight we had success. And right. most people who I know who have successful businesses that they started from scratch, especially have said, oh my gosh, no, those first X number of yep. months, years decade. This isn't to turn people were just slogging, just, you know, really, really arduous, hard work. And
it, it doesn't always feel like hard work because you love it. And if you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work, but that doesn't mean that you're not busting your hump to try to make it happen. Right. I would say you have to be willing to work like no one else is for five years so that you can live like no one else can for the rest of your life. I like that a lot. Can you repeat that? Willing to do what no one else will? You have to be willing to work like no one else will mm. for maybe five years so that you can live like no one else can for the rest of your life. Mm. Is it worth it? Are you willing to pay the price for five years so that you can have what you're looking for? Or do you want to just tough this out until you turn 60, 70 years old? Yeah. And for some people, they choose the other the other way, right? right? I'm going to stay yeah. here. I feel more comfortable. My husband is one of those people. He's like, I have a corporate job. It provides. It's reliable. Not maybe what he wants to do until the end of time, but that's what he wants to do until he can at least semi-retire and then he'll go and do something else. Mm-hmm. That's his path. Yep. I'm thankful for it, especially right now. <laughs> and, and, and truthfully, I completely understand that because think of my I did I worked for the federal government for 23 years. Yep. But it was a stepping stone, not a ball and chain. Yeah. You know, one of the questions that popped up for me that I, I wanted to ask you was considering the different roles that you played in those 23 years, um, I think it was Steve Jobs who said, you can't connect the dots while you're moving forward. You can only connect them when you look back. So looking back, can you see how what you've done built you up to where you are now or helped you help pave the way? Without a doubt. And it wasn't making sense to me as I was going through it. Mm -hmm. It never does. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I could not envision any of these dots connected. It's because we can't see the future. Right. So you can't, yeah, you can't really plan that next step. You can't plan what, where the next client is coming from. You can't plan these things. Yeah. But as I turn around and I look at the footprints that I've left in the sand, everything makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. I left New York about a little over a year ago to come back to North Carolina. Three years prior to that, you could not have told me I would be back in North Carolina. <laughs> everything happens for a reason. You, yeah. you, you're not in control of everything. You just make the best out of the situation. Right. And it's working out for you. Oh, definitely. It's going all right. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, there is another force out there that guides things. And it's not, it's not all Luke Hopkins. Yeah. I think we can get in the way of that, you know, the hand of the divine, the universe, whatever you want to call it, that power that's outside of us. We can get in the way of it by playing small, by shrinking back, by being Mm. fearful. But if we're willing to have faith that it's going to be okay, it's going to work out, we're going to come out on the other side better off and be willing to do the work. It's amazing what can come out of it. It's really beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Well, before we wrap up, I'd like to ask you two more questions. If you still have time, the first one is, do you have two or three best pieces of advice that you would give to entrepreneurs right now, whatever stage they're at? I would say whatever it is that you set your heart on, set your heart on it. Mm. Whatever it is you're going to do, do it. I would say to surround yourself with like-minded people. If you're building a team, get the right people on the bus. It doesn't matter where the bus is going. Mm -hmm. If you get the right people on the bus, they're going to make sure that you get there and it's going to be a very smooth transition getting there. Get the wrong people off the bus. And then once you get the right people on the bus, you can figure out who needs to sit in what seat because it doesn't even matter. You got the right people on the bus. So surround yourself with like-minded people, people who are going to support you and and get the right people on the bus to help you to get there. Stay focused. It's your journey. Mm. Very sage advice. I mean, just, it makes so much sense. And it's, it's definitely a recurring theme because this is basically every, everything we've talked about has come back to those three points, right? So you clearly walk your talk and it works. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Stay focused. 
Yeah. Don't lose sight. I, I think that's the the one thing is we often get to a certain point and then fear takes over and we shrink back and we're just about to break through and we miss our chance. You know, I think uh, we have to stay good people and don't chase money, but build relationships. If you build your business around money, you'll never succeed. You build your business around relationships, nothing can stop you. People are willing to help good people. And it's something about strong, authentic relationships. doesn't matter if you're a financial advisor and you have clients. You need a good relationships with your clients. It's not about money. It's not about money. The money will come. You'll be a good person, take care of your clients, good customer service, and you'll generate some raving fans. Ooh, that's powerful. Well, how can we support you? Where can we find you? I, I don't know if you already mentioned I work for Mass Mutual. Um, I'm still an independent contractor. I, and I do some everything. My Cell phone is on my business card. I don't mind people calling my cell phone. I haven't had a nut job yet. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Let's keep it that way. <laughs> yeah. And so my cell phone is 919-673-5153. My email address is lhopkins at financialguide.com. lhopkins at financialguide.com. And, and I, I love helping people. So if you have anything I can help you with, don't hesitate to call. Oh, thank you so much. We'll put all of that in the show notes in case anybody missed it. Um, but Luke, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate you. I appreciate you as well. Um, I do. I'm like three minutes behind. My, my phone is already blowing up. So <laughs> I, I truly appreciate taking some time or you taking some time to just have a conversation with me, Tracy. Thank you very, very much. It's been such a pleasure. Take good care. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset. If you liked what you heard, be sure to click the subscribe button so you'll never miss a show. Please leave us a review and tell your friends about us so more people can hear the valuable information we share in each episode. We look forward to hearing from you and celebrating your success. 